Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us this morning, and it's so cool that we get a chance to do this. Um, one of the things I want to do is, is we've talked about this before. Please, this is the only time that you can text all the way through service, so grab your phone. Please jump on one of our platforms and text away and communicate in relationship as best you can that way. But before we do this morning, could you just join me a favor? Could we just pray? You know, there's people out there who are suffering this morning. I love what Jason and Heidi just led us through a song. He's a God of miracles. I just wonder if you ever asked him, if you ever asked him to show up and do a miracle, or is it listen to a song or sing a song and then not pausing and stopping? But there's people this, this morning in our church who are suffering. Krista Frickle's one. She hurt her back and she hurt her shoulder. And God says he's a God of miracles. Christy Zoom, working through her stuff this morning and suffering through dealing with immune system deficiency. God asks us, and Jason and Heidi stirred our hearts that he's a God of miracles to cry out and to ask him to respond to our situations. I wonder if you're sitting at home right now with someone who's suffering, who's dealing with sickness, who's dealing with something, you would dare to have the faith just to reach across and lay your hands towards them. Maybe if they're family, you can touch them, right? But if they're neighbors, you can't. Probably have social distancing, the whole thing. But God is a faithful God who shows up. So this morning, would you join me as we start this morning? And let's pray first of all before we go any further. Dad, you are a God of miracles. And in our situation, our circumstance that we find ourselves in right now with all this quarantine stuff going on, we turn to you and we come to you and we ask you to show up. We ask you to show off in people's lives in a super, supernatural way. All, all of our friends and family this morning who are struggling, who are sick, Lord, I just ask you to come and I ask you to surprise them and take their breath away. That you would allow your power and your authority to rest upon them in a super, supernatural way. That Jesus, you would meet them right where they're at. You would show up and you would show them, Father God, how faithful faithful you are in the small stuff and the big stuff in our life. And so, Dad, we just ask you to come today. We ask you to flow over and fall upon, Lord, your church to allow your power and your presence, your authority to be resident in our lives, in our homes in a supernatural way. Dad, we ask in your precious name and all God's people said, amen, guys. So thank you for joining us this morning. We have been in a series, No Pain, No Gain. I guess in the whole coronavirus thing, there's a lot of pain going on. People are experiencing a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, and hopefully this morning you would be encouraged in what we're going to talk about today as we go through this today. Yeah, we've been walking through that whole series, No Pain, No Gain, for quite a few weeks. And over the last weeks, we've touched on the idea of suffering that Jesus so willingly embraced for all of us. Then we can we move to a place of suffering that you and I can experience, and sometimes it's actually not our fault, and how we respond to it is really indicative of how we plug into and pursue Jesus. And then last week, we talked about suffering we should avoid like the plague because of the consequences if we don't to today's big idea. And please hear this because it's the truth. It's suffering or pain that we should pursue or even embrace. Yeah, you heard me right. There's a suffering and a pain and a discipline that we should actually go out of our way to pursue, allowing it to be a part of our lives. Christians go, what? But here's the thing. Athletes do it all the time. They literally allow themselves to pursue pain for professional gain in what they're doing. They put themselves under pressure. They allow themselves to be stretched and strained, as it were, to allow them to gain the, the ultimate achievement in athletics, whatever that would be, the rings, or the hats, or the cups, or whatever it would be that they get. They get to that place. And so how often we go, well, it's okay for athletes, or it's okay for bodybuilders, or it's okay for whatever, crossfitters, or whatever. All that stuff's expected, but when it comes to us as believers, we begin to go, what? 
And yet all through the series, we've brought this thread through every single week as we have to get to a place sometimes where we make sense of suffering. And sometimes it's hard to actually do. You know, for me, in moments of suffering that I've had to face on my faith journey, as it were, sadly, sometimes I wasn't able to see the sense in those moments of suffering. But hopefully over the years, I've grown to a place where when I can't see God's hands in those moments, I've come to a place that I've decided to make a decision to trust His heart. That when I can't see His hands working in it, it doesn't seem like it's right and it's hard and it's difficult and it's painful and why me and all that sort of stuff that I've allowed myself to get to a place that I don't trust what I see sometimes because I can't see His hands at work. So I've decided to allow myself to lean into trusting his heart. Why? Because he's a good, good father. And he has plans and purposes for my life that are way better than I could ever, ever even imagine. Even when there's pain involved. So what's suffering got to do with anything? Well, actually, everything. See, if the truth be said... Anything worth fighting for is worth suffering for or embracing pain for, right? I mean, just ask Jesus. Anything that's worth fighting for and contending for in our life is really worth suffering for or embracing pain for. Just stop and ask Jesus why he embraced all the pain that he embraced because of you and I, because that was his gain. It was to have a relationship with his creation. And so the pain that was there, he so gladly embraced because of that gain. As this quarantine season comes to an end, we'll probably have to face a couple of choices, believe it or not. One will be from last week, was this is suffering and pain we should run from, and the question will be, will we? Number two will be this week is embracing suffering and pain, disciplines we should run to. And the question is, will we? For example, in our spiritual lives, where you're at as a believer, that, that well, that river that you draw from, when you find yourself in difficult circumstances, our spiritual life and the depth of or the broadness of it. See, run from last week was allowing our time to get sucked up by other stuff that doesn't really help us in our spiritual growth. The binging schedule on anything but Jesus, as it were. Run two is prioritizing our time with Jesus as essential, not optional anymore. We have to monitor what we watch, what we listen to, and what we read. So we'll run from the pain we should run from, and we should run to the pain, the disciplines we should embrace in our spiritual life. Is will those disciplines transfer from quarantine to out of quarantine? Did you discover disciplines in your spiritual life that you didn't have before? And you're like, mind-blowing how good it's been to connect with Jesus on a regular basis. And yet when we leave quarantine and all of a sudden that, that monster schedule collapses back into our life and it takes over as it did before quarantine. That everything was so crazily busy and we ran from pillar to post and back and forward. We had no margin, no time and all of a sudden quarantine's over and we go right back to the way things were. And our spiritual life is put on hold. And we wonder why we feel dry and empty at times. Or in situations that press us, we feel like we're pressed too much. What about a healthy body? Run from. 
You have to watch what you put into your bodies. You have to watch what food we choose to eat during this quarantine. It's either healthy food or junk food. And I won't go there of which one you're doing. But I know for me, there was moments where I wanted junk food and my spirit stirred me to go, no, no, Rob, get something healthy. Or it was actually Andrea's voice. But anyway, it's that idea of I want a junk instead of healthy. And yet we get to a place where we run from something, which is junk food. We run to something, which is healthy food, as it were. Aaron Olson, I want to say thank you, friend. I've watched Aaron be an incredible stimulant in my life in reference to this whole healthy body thing. I've watched him make choices before quarantine. And I've watched him make choices in quarantine. And I know he'll make choices after quarantine of allowing his body to be in a healthy place. If you've never had a chance to sit down with him, you should sit down and ask him his story of how he got there and the disciplines that God has woven into his life in this area of having a healthy body. And during quarantine, we'll run to something that's good and we should run from something that's bad. But will we? Or we have allowed the popcorn and the candies to be the thing that becomes our kind of addiction thing that we turn to that when we're feeling down. Instead of picking up an orange or an apple, we pick up a candy. Again, this whole idea of suffering we should run from, suffering we should run to. See, there's a price and there's pain attached to it, but there's incredible gain if we press in. Again, healthy, meaningful, life-giving friendship. Run from is over isolation, no contact unless it comes from somebody else to you that we're waiting for people to come to us and connect in relationship. That's something we should run from, this, this temptation to isolate away from everybody. What we should run to is intentional connection any way we can within the guidelines because we know that it's good for us. This afternoon, text somebody, FaceTime somebody, Zoom call somebody, the new word, Okay. Write someone a letter, a note, call somebody. Because here's the thing, every single one of us, regardless of age or gender or age or whatever, every single day, daddy deposits 1,440 minutes in your life account. And you and I get to decide what we do with it. We get to decide where we allocate it and who we give it to and where we allow its focus to be. You see, here's the truth is where we invest our time shows what we value. When we invest our 1,440 minutes, I know some people say, well, I have to work yet. Let's just give eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, okay? So you have eight hours left that you and I every day decide where we will allocate it in reference to what we see as valuable. And so often we run from investing in other people when we should run to it. You see, to have a great friend, we simply need to decide to be a great friend. In the midst of this isolation and coronavirus thing and all that quarantine that's going on, what if we picked up the phone, just made the call, or if we just made our fingers work and sent a text to say, hey, I, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I care about you. I hope your family's okay. It's profound the impact it has on people's lives. A healthy, Christ-centered, meaningful marriage. Run from. Allow anything that would distract you and I from putting Jesus first in our marriage. Like binging on anything but Jesus. 
So many other things before quarantine demanded our time, and he was put on the shelf in our marriages. And yet, in this midst of quarantine, I've heard so many people say, we've discovered a new way to connect. Run away from stuff that would distract you from not putting Jesus first in your marriage. Maybe this would work for you. And the whole pain you should embrace is run too. Creating habits now during COVID-19, as some people are calling it, that you and I can fight to hold on to when quarantine is over. I asked some friends of mine just to share with you a little bit about what God's been doing in their marriage for them. And maybe, maybe it would just stimulate you to hold on to something that they've grabbed hold of. Enjoy this. Thank you so much. Hello. My name is Michael. This is my beautiful wife, Jamie. And like many of you, our normal routine has gone all kinds of out of whack. And we started to notice that sometimes our days just feel kind of stale. Uh, we don't feel so, you know, just refreshed on a, on a daily basis. And I started to realize that if you're not taking the time daily to make sure that you're reading the Bible, just talking with God, and even some fellowship is very important with, with other people from church or whoever it may be, you just start to feel kind of stale and almost dehydrated. And I found it's very important to hydrate yourself uh, with the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that we have been doing that on a daily basis is with prayer. Yeah, uh, so we, um, like he said, it just felt off, and we just thought it had to do with our lack of routine, or our routine getting messed up, and it really wasn't until Rob's message a couple weeks ago um, about the power of prayer and uh, routinely praying with your family, and more emphasis, most emphasis on with your spouse, and so that really lit a spark in us, um, as well as our Bible app that we do together. Um, sometimes we find a plan that we'll, that we'll go through together. And in the plan that we're currently in now, um, there was an interesting statistic that said that couples who regularly prayed together, the divorce rate was dropped to 2%. And so that was something that was just so interesting for us. And so that lit even more of a spark in us to really do that. And we've just found um, with praying with each other routinely and regularly that we start our day with God and end our day with God, praising Him for the wonderful day that we've had. And it's just been um, interesting, the change. You know, we find our hearts more open and soften to each other. We give each other more grace. And our days have just felt more um, full and light. So it's definitely been profound for us. Thanks. Miss you guys. You talked to Michael and Jamie and you ask them how'd they get there, and maybe there was a, a suffering that was kind of like awkward and uncomfortable, maybe, I don't know, but you could talk to them about what it took to start that process of grabbing a discipline that could help them press into something fresh and new, something longevity-wise for their marriage and for their situation, yet there was a pain associated with maybe starting, because maybe it was new, maybe it wasn't, but what does it look like for you? That in this quarantine situation, in reference to a healthy marriage, what habits could you grab hold of now while quarantine's going on and you don't have that crazy monster schedule that we had before quarantine that when it's over, will come running back like a flood and try and rob you of your time? What discipline could we grab hold of that would be beneficial for our marriage? In, in, in one sense, to embrace the pain and reference to it. Don't let anything, 
anything other than Jesus be first in your relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe let nothing but Jesus be prioritized above Jesus and then your spouse if you're married. And I mean this sincerely. Please hear me. And if you want to come talk to me, email me. But what do I mean by that? I mean, no kids first. Sorry. No hobbies first. No work first. No honeydew list first. None of that first. And I mean it. All those things are wonderful things. They're not bad things. They're just good things. They're not the best things. The best things is that we as a couple, you as an individual, would let Jesus be center of your life regardless of what's happened. What a profound blessing or gift we can give to our children that we would prioritize putting Jesus first in our individual life and then putting Jesus first in our relationship as husbands and wives. How could you keep that order, though? Maybe you could do this and embrace the pain, the uncomfortableness, the awkwardness that goes with it. Maybe you would choose to pray together each and every day that it now becomes essential rather than optional. Rather than praying when things go wrong, why not just pray all the time together at the start of your day and the end of your day? Maybe choose that date nights are no longer optional, but instead they're essential. That you find a way to work around the family rhythm and you find time to allow you and your spouse, if you're married, if you're single, practice putting Jesus first above everything else. It will pay you dividends and then embrace the pain to keep him first. As husbands and wife, I beg you, embrace the pain and the uncomfortableness and the awkwardness of everybody else demanding you should do everything but that. That you would put Jesus first in your own personal life. You put Jesus first in your marriage before your kids and everything else. They're not bad things. They're just good things. They're not the best things. Maybe choose that connecting with Jesus and his family in community is from this moment on essential. It's no longer optional. That as you go forward, as quarantine comes to an end, as this thing ends and we flip the page and we transition out, that maybe it was kind of optional before it fitted in. But some pain you should embrace, the discipline we should embrace, is as we move out of this, that it's no longer an option. It's essential for you and I to be together in community, that we would make that decision that it's right for us. What was it that was said last week? What or who do you need to cut out of your life? Why cut something out so you can put something in? My mentor, Jerry Cook, the author of Love, Accept, and Forgiveness, and a few other books wrote this. He said, we need to break and remove old habits first so we can replace them with new ones. What old habits would you leave behind pre-quarantine that you discovered when you were in quarantine, like, wow, this is mind-blowing, that you would grab hold of and you would replace in your life when you leave quarantine? What old habits would you cut off so you can replace new habits that can transform and change your life at a deep, deep level? What suffering or pain are you and I willing to embrace to gain all that Jesus wants for us? Because that's the question. What price will we pay? What time will we allocate in our private lives, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our priorities, in our faith journey? You see, we can only spin so many plates before they all start to fall around us. Have a look at this. Would you like to try that? I would not like to be the person on the top, but we can only spin so many plates, guys, before all of a sudden they will start to fall around you without your control. So what we have to do is we have to choose which ones are essential. Our private time with Jesus, maybe, 
our date times with our spouses, our date times with our kids, engaging in Christian community. And then we have to choose to embrace the pain or the discipline that it will take to protect those plates as it were. You see, there's an embracing of suffering and pain that is good for us, i.e., it's learning to say no to the good and the bad so we can embrace the best. Discipline is really a short-term painful experience that we choose so we can have an incredible long-term gain. What does that best maybe look like? There's an incredible scripture that I love found in Revelations. It says this, but I have this charge against you that you have left your first love, have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Maybe you could say pre-quarantine thinking. Go back to way, 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 way back when you first fell in love with him. And there was a passion and a fire and a drive and an excitement that drove you every day. That like literally the first time you fell in love, if you're married with the person you're married to, that literally there was first moments you literally cast everything aside and that was the focus. What would that look like to embrace that idea here as we get ready to leave quarantine, if you need to go back and refresh that first love and that fire, what would it take to do that? What suffering or pain or discipline should we pursue? Please hear this. Anything that helps draw us closer to Jesus' purpose and pleasure for our life. Why? Because the byproduct can be a mind-blowing life while you're single, with absolutely rock-solid focus on who is first in your life, or a marriage with Jesus at the center of it that will literally take your breath away. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again after quarantine that we did before quarantine and during quarantine and expecting different results. That if we go back to the way things were before quarantine and we expect it to be different afterwards, it can't be and it won't be. We have to go about, hi Lord, how can I restructure my world, my life, my time, my focus, that there would be a new experience post-quarantine that wasn't pre-quarantine. As I look back now and I realize some of the things that slipped into my life, some of the habits that slipped into my life and got in the way of you, I want to remove those old habits so I can have new ones leaving quarantine that would literally affect my life differently. Ultimately, you and I are not successful because of our potential, but because of our choices. What does that look like? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I feel that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What can I encourage you in? Remind yourself that every step matters. 
Every step during quarantine, every step before quarantine, every step during quarantine, and every step after quarantine really, really matters. See, I've made choices to embrace pain for incredible gain. What choices can you and I make in our own private lives as you think about it right now? What choices can you make to embrace pain that will cause incredible gain in your life at a spiritual level in a spiritual way? See, in a, in a marathon, it's called the wall. So take a look, and I'll explain it to you in a second. Thank you so much, guys. Now look at this difference. Athletes who don't cheat can win lasting glory. And boy, did we see an astounding performance yesterday at the marathon in Austin, Texas. Here's Manuel Bajorquez. Almost done. Kenyan runner Yvonne Negetich had been in the lead for nearly 26 miles. The finish line was within sight when this happened. Overcome by exhaustion, Negetich fell onto her hands and knees, but kept going. Oh my goodness, look at what's going on here in the women's race. She led for the entire day, only in the closing miles her body let her down. Race director John Conley was watching. I've seen athletes wobble and fall. I've seen athletes crawl across the finish line. But that story of her going 26 miles and then crawling the last 450 feet or so, uh, never seen anything like it. When the medical team rushed to help and offered a wheelchair, she refused. She's taken no for an answer. Keep on going, young lady. Negetich had still managed to come in third. Conley greeted her after the race. You ran the bravest race and crawled the bravest crawl I have ever seen in my life. Crawling the last 50 meters to the finish line! Negetich couldn't recall those final moments. For the last two kilometers, I don't remember. She did it! She made it! Running always, you have to keep going, going. Conley bumped up her cash prize. He says it was the least he could do. I have never heard our, our crowds that loud cheering for an athlete like, like that. It's I mean, like she won the race. She is the defining moment of that weekend for us. You are one and tough, young lady. An image of defeat turned into triumph. Manuel Bajorquez, CBS News, Austin. Now look at this. Just pause for a second on that. See, most people say it happens around the 17-mile marker. It's actually called the wall, and every athlete hits it. But actually, it can happen at any time in the race. But it happens, and every runner in the race hits it at some point in their race. And every believer, I think, hits it at some place in their walk. And at that moment, every one of us have to make a choice. Am I willing to pay the price to embrace the suffering and pain that comes next to press forward for the prize? Every step you and I take will lead us somewhere. Every step you and I take will guide us in a direction that will have a destiny and will have something waiting at the end of it for us. 
I just wonder in this whole series, what does it look like to go, Lord, I, I want to live that and function that at a whole new level in my private life, in our marriage, in our journey, in our faith, everything that's going on. We want to function at a whole new place with you in a whole new way. Why settle for just second best when you compress into everything he has for you? But it's going to take this, that at some point in your race, at some point in your journey, you're going to hit the wall. And everything will tell you to quit. And you may fall on your face. You may have to crawl on your knees. But will you keep going for the gain that daddy has for you and I? No one's going to make us do it. No one's going to force us to do it. In fact, there might be people in the crowd cheering us to can keep going. But there might be also other people cheering us to stop. And we have to choose who we listen to as we move forward, you see, we decide to embrace pain for the sake of gain in every area of our life that we want to grow in. We decide to embrace pain or discipline or suffering associated with every area of our life that you and I want to grow in. Why? Because discipline, pain, and suffering is the path of every disciple. It's the pathway for every disciple. The discipline, the pain, the suffering, the embracing of it is the path that every disciple gets to walk on. See, all of us choose to pay a price in one of two areas or every time there's an opportunity for change or growth. It's the price of regret or the price of discipline. If we don't look at what's happened during quarantine and realize some bad habits we picked up and we continue with them out of quarantine and we take them somewhere else, there'll be the price of regret that you and I have to pay, that we had a stirring in our heart that God did to us and that God brought to our attention. We became aware of some kind of things that were out of order in the right schedule and God stirred our heart and we did nothing with it. And when we leave quarantine, we wonder why there wasn't this new kind of exhilaration, excitement in what we were wanting to do. And yet daddy had told us during quarantine, here's what I'd like you to do. And we didn't. And so when we leave quarantine, we experience the price of regret. Or we all of a sudden recognize the price of discipline, that we made that discipline, things got crazily better in our spiritual life, in our personal health, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our finances, in our time, etc., etc., etc. I had the privilege of hearing from some of you about your stories over the last series we did before the No Pain, No Gain series about the disciplines, about the pain and the suffering that you decided to embrace after the Blessed Life series in reference to your finances. You are rock stars and painful, yes, but blessed, oh my goodness, beyond measure. And on my life, I promise you, you won't regret it. But you might be saying, why didn't we do this earlier for this, this much fun? That's honestly the truth. So many of you have shared what God did. We, when you embrace the pain of discipline, of going, Lord, my finances are yours. And so, Lord, we want to we steer our steps back to honoring you above everything else. And you did. And God blew your mind with what he said to you, what he did with you, and what he's doing in you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for honoring him. I'd like us to pause for a second, maybe for a minute or so here, and I'd like those online, I'd like you to answer this question. 
It says this, as you look back at your life, what pain have you embraced that has had a powerful impact for good in your life? And what advice would you give someone who's facing that choice? So please, I'd love you to answer that question online and interact online together. And while you do, I want to read you some responses that some friends wrote to me. The first one is this. I embraced pain that benefited me when I chose to move from home on the East Coast to the West Coast. And all that happened to me because of that choice, my swimming career, my marriage, my family, and my ultimate move to Utah and all that God is doing in our lives here. Second one, the day I decided that alcohol had no good place in my life and my family because it was killing me and destroying them. So I paid the price. I embraced the pain to move beyond it. In fact, last Saturday, I was sober for 10 years, the person shared. 10 years sober last Saturday because 10 years or so ago, they embraced the pain to allow their life to go to a better place and what they wanted. And they took the suffering and the pain that went with it and grabbed the discipline of moving beyond something that was destroying them and destroying their family. Another friend wrote, I would say the pain I've embraced would be in my marriage. For years, it was just about staying married for our kids' sake. But because we invited Jesus to become the center of our marriage, we have fallen back in love. And now it's about what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. Instead of about just me, it's about him. A dear, dear friend of mine in Foursquare high up said this, Rob, I remember a personal judgment failure that was pretty public. I learned through that pain of the value of owning your mistake of giving people to time to process, of the need to rebuild trust and to allow God to both bring healing to my soul and to teach me the things I needed to learn from what went off the rails. It was excruciating. It was embarrassing. It was humbling. But I'm a better leader today. I've still made some mistakes, but I've avoided a lot more because I walked through that season of suffering and pain that I embraced. Can I share in this section for me a dear friend's response on his feedback to me for this question that I think is the ingredients that allows all of us to embrace pain and suffering that's good for us. He said this, a pain that has benefited me, Rob, was the moment I was willing to pay the price of pain and suffering to develop the discipline of pursuing spiritual disciplines rather than just talking about them. That the moment I was willing to embrace that pain and that awkwardness and that uncomfortableness and allow my time not to be robbed by everything else, but to allocate some of my time to pursuing Jesus and the disciplines of allowing Him to be the center of my life. That's where his moment of change came about for him. That maybe was his wall that he hit in thinking about something, but then deciding to do something about it. But how do we do that? You keep going if you haven't stumbled. You keep running if you haven't stumbled. But if you have stumbled, you get up and you get after it again and you keep going 
after it. You crawl if you have to until you can stand on your feet. Because if you crawl, I promise you someone will come along who will stand with you in that race. I promise you someone will come along and surround you and encourage you to keep going and finish what you started. Ask some friends who are getting after it if you can go with them. That's what you do in a race. You focus on the person in front of you. Our president and friend, Pastor Glenn Burris, said this. You stay close to people who make you want to chase Jesus more than you're already doing right now. You choose to stay close to people who are running that race and who are pressing on for the goal of getting to the end of it. You see, Micah 7 says this, As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will arise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. See, sometimes in our race, we fall and stumble. Maybe in the midst of quarantine, you fell and stumbled in some of the disciplines you had before. My encouragement is press the pause button today. There's no time like the present to pursue yourself, taking the right steps to get back on track, to allow Jesus to transform and change your life from your innermost being and allow you to be everything he's called you to be and not just get by, but to thrive. He doesn't want us to live a life of survival. He wants us to live a life of thriving. He wants us to get to a place where he can transform and change us from the inside out. That's a pain that we have to embrace. A suffering we have to take on board is to pay the price to pursue the gain that God has called us to. You see, you embrace the suffering associated with asking for help regardless of how it shows up. You embrace the suffering and the pain by asking other people to come and be a part of your race with you, to come and be a part of your team with you. You embrace that pain, whatever it would be. Maybe it's you're going to feel rejected or you have felt rejected. Maybe it's going to feel like you're embarrassed, that there's embarrassment associated with asking for help. Maybe there's humiliation associated with letting somebody else that you don't have it all together and you're inviting someone else to come and transform and change you and help you let God do that in you. Of all the people that understands maybe what you've felt or maybe what you're going through, I think he does. And his name is Jesus. I, I love this verse. It's literally something that has literally been a part of my life from day one because it literally allows me to know how he wants to get me to that place. It's this. is Jesus' loving kindness draws us to repentance is Jesus wants to draw us to a place of repentance, which is a form of change, which is transforming, allowing him to transform and change us from the inside out. And maybe embrace some pain that goes with that. Maybe it's God's asking us to ask someone for forgiveness. Or maybe it's us being open to receive forgiveness from somebody. That God wants to restore something to allow us to move on, to embrace all the gain that he has for us. But maybe there's a little bit of pain associated with that step. You lost your way? Follow him. You missed your step? Get up again. You slipped? You drifted? Press into him. 
I'd like to walk us through how Jesus understands all of that for us. But before I do this morning, if you're a person who's watching this morning, you're like, what? What's this whole church Jesus thing all about? I didn't even know that you could allow Jesus to come and be a part of your pain. In fact, he wants to come and take away our pain, to be honest. He wants to get us to a place where we can allow him to run with us instead of running on our own. That he can become a part of our life. That the strength that we get to run that race is found in him. If you've never had a chance, you've never taken the opportunity, you've never paused for a second and realized you could just say yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. You can put it in the, the text bar below. There's a button on one of our platforms you can click to say, I want to say yes to respond to Jesus. I want to allow him to transform and change my life. I want him to be the center of my life in every single area. Why would you want to run a race without a coach running with you? And that coach wants to live in you and be with you and walk you through. Are you still going to face moments of hitting the wall? Absolutely. Jesus is not a sugar daddy. He's just a really, really, really good daddy. He doesn't just fix everything and all the hard stuff goes away. He shows up in the midst of hard stuff. He shows up in our struggles, and he allows us to experience pain that we experience. Not that he generates, but we find situations where it's painful, and he shows up in the middle of them. And you can allow him to become everything he wants your life to be today by doing a simple thing as you would pause for a second right now with me and you would do this. One, is you would acknowledge who Jesus is. He's the son of the living God and he died for you. He died for me. And he gave his life and he sacrificed his life that our sins would be washed away because of his sacrifice. And it's a free gift that he offers to every single person who would respond to him. The word of God, the word of God is profound, but it says something so simple. If you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He comes and he meets us in the middle of that. And right now, before we come to one, we're going to close our service this morning with communion. We're going to stop and pause. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of our service, our series, I should say, where we started out with a pain that Jesus was willing to embrace for great gain, which was you and I. But before we come to communion, you've never said yes to Jesus before. Would you say it right now? Would you say this simple thing? Dear Lord Jesus, come and change my life. Come and transform me from the inside out. I want to turn my life over to you and ask you to become my Lord and Savior right now in this split second. I want you to come and fill my life and run this race with me and for me. And Jesus, today I release my life, I dedicate my life, I give my life over to you and ask you to use it for your glory. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for washing my sins away, for giving me a gift I could never afford to pay for. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You see, there was a suffering that Jesus did for incredible gain, and it's shown in communion. Here in a second, we're going to receive communion. If you have the elements at home, great. What are the elements? Whatever you can get. You can use bread. You can use unleavened bread. You can use crackers. You can use a Snickers bar. You can use a glass of milk, a glass of water, juice. You can. Because way back in the day, we used bread and juice today. But back then, it was unleavened bread and real wine. So it's about the element representing what it means to you today. As you think about communion and all that it stands for. 
all that it can stand for. Let me read you a scripture before we get to it. First Corinthians says this. For I pass unto you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you take your piece of bread at home, whatever it is for you, and just hold it for a second? He did this. He allowed his body to be broken for you and I. To allow us to experience him in a fresh, fresh new way. In fact, on a continual basis that when we receive the bread, I'm saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing your body to be taken. See, it wasn't taken from him. He gave it up. He allowed his body to be taken and it was broken and beaten and bloodied for me and for you. We would find freedom in his gift of salvation. So, Daddy, thank you for the gift that you gave us in allowing your body to be a sacrifice for us. And I, for one, say, Daddy, I don't deserve it. But thank you so much for the gift that you gave to me. Go ahead and receive the bread if you could. Thank you so much. If you have your Jewish, whatever it would be this morning. Oh, oh, the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses every sinner, everyone who needs to be washed clean. His blood comes and cleanses you. Regardless of what your list is, this representation of his blood was shed that you and I would be cleansed and made clean. So today as you receive your just in representation of his blood, just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me clean. If it's your first time today, just see yee and scream and shout and holler. If it's not and you've done this loads time before, just scream and holler and shout and say thank you because it's life-giving what Jesus did. And so receive this today in Jesus' precious name, guys. Amen. in closing this morning what suffering would you be willing to embrace for incredible gain in this season what suffering or sacrifice or disciplines is God stirring you to embrace for his incredible gain in this season here's a coaching question for you a year from now where do you want to be in your personal walk with Jesus your friendships your marriage, your priorities, etc., etc., etc. Then, what pain would you embrace? And would you dare to ask Jesus to take you on that journey? Because He won't make you; He'll just invite you. Because Jesus leads us to a place of repentance. Doesn't drag us. He draws us and leads us 
and asks us to come with him on that journey? Why would you settle for okay when you can have amazing? Why settle for survival when you can actually thrive in this next season? Why be bound when you can be free? Why be downtrodden when you can be lifted up? Why? Because discipline, pain, and suffering is the pathway of every disciple. Every person who calls themselves his will embrace pain and suffering and disciplines to achieve the gain and the goal that he has called us towards. You don't have to watch on the sidelines. You can get into the game. You don't have to stand on the sides and watch the marathon. You can actually run in it. But it's your decision. I would encourage you today. What does it look like as we transition towards potentially quarantine and all that coming to an end? As Pastor Joe said, in a few weeks, we're making changes. The governor is and the president is. And we're moving towards opening back up our country. But what does it look like for you and I to be a different person who has chosen the pathway of embracing pain for the gain that daddy has called us to. I love you. I think you're amazing people. Have a fan fantastic day because daddy is with you and for you and wants to lead you if you let him. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bless you guys and have a great day. Take care for now. God bless.